everyone, and welcome to episode 27, which is the one-year anniversary show of the Hydrogen Nowcast. We're recording today on May 27th, 2021. This is a podcast devoted to encouraging the deployment of fuel cell EVs, hydrogen fueling, and hydrogen infrastructure throughout the world. The Hydrogen Nowcast is a production of the Colorado Hydrogen Network in Denver, Colorado. I'm your host, Brian DeBruin, the Director of Operations for the Colorado Hydrogen Network. In the podcast today, we're going to talk trash, or putting it another way, how one man's trash is another man's hydrogen. So to explain what this all means, we have Jean-Louis Kindler, the CEO and co-founder of Ways2H. Jean-Louis, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for having me today. And uh, hello, everyone who is listening to this podcast. Well, great, Jean-Louis. It's great to have you here today. Um, I think we probably should start out <laughs> with you telling the listeners what uh, Ways2H does to kind of explain my, my trash statement. <laughs> well, actually, you explained it quite well. We do take trash and we extract hydrogen out of it. Uh, maybe to be a little more specific, we are in a partnership with a, a Japanese company that I have known for 20 years who developed this process. It is a thermochemical process, so it uses heat, a process to take organic waste and uh, literally crack it into its most elemental molecules, uh, one of them being hydrogen. So uh, what we do is we take this waste, we, uh, we extract hydrogen out of it, and what's very important is that organic waste contains carbon. We also use that carbon as the energy source to extract that hydrogen. So it is a, it is a self-sustained process. Okay, and this is different from conventional gasification, isn't it? Yes, uh, it is. It, it is different. Well, most gasifiers actually use the uh, the energy contained in the feedstock to operate, but uh, but our process is very different. First, in the sense that the the ultimate goal is to extract hydrogen, so the whole system has been specifically designed for that purpose, and also the way the gasification process itself is designed is different. Generally speaking, gasifiers, they need heat, like I said earlier, and the way this heat is generated is um, it's by literally burning a fraction of the feedstock to generate heat. So think of having a big reactor, you put waste or you put your feedstock in it, and you inject a little bit of oxygen to burn maybe 10%, 15% of this feedstock. And so this combustion obviously generates heat, and it is this heat that gasifies the remaining 85%. It's great with wood. This is how, by the way, this is how we make charcoal for our barbecue. So it has been around for quite some time. But it is a process that is extremely complicated to uh, extremely difficult to control when using unpredictable feedstock, just like waste. Waste is unpredictable, particularly municipal solid waste. Because as you can imagine, it is a mix of different streams. The way we do it is that we use the byproduct of, of, of this gasification, which is char. I told you about charcoal earlier. We also produce char in the, in our process. And we use this char as the fuel to generate the heat. It makes our process much cleaner. It makes our process much more flexible. And it also makes our process, we, we like to say it is self-stabilizing. Again, I won't go too much into detail, but what happens is that because of the way the process is designed, 
temperature inside the reactor can be controlled easily, uh, actually is self-controlled, and it makes the process much more stable to process waste, which is, like I said, a very unstable and unpredictable feedstock. So can you, I mean, provided you're set up correctly, can you process almost any kind of waste, whether it's garbage or maybe plant matter, wood that you already mentioned, wood, those kind of things? Is, are, there, uh, are there some limits maybe, or, or, or which are the types of um, waste that this is most suitable for? We take anything that uh, is what we call chemically organic, meaning it contains carbon and hydrogen. So any biomass, wood, uh, textile, rubber, uh, grass, etc., but also plastics. So if we take municipal solid waste, for example, we would take out metals, we would take out glass, ceramic, mud, dirt, and everything else uh, would be shredded. We like to have a particle size um, that is rather controlled and, and constant. And uh, once it has been shredded, it would go into our system. Okay. Boy, that's, uh, that's really exciting to think about the different ways that um, what we consider just you know, waste now could be converted. So the, the output obviously is hydrogen. I mean, that's why we're, we're talking about this. Um, what, what are the other outputs and, and how are those dealt with? So just like when we, when we process wood, there is ash at the uh, at the end. We we also recover a very small fraction of the minerals that are contained in our feedstock. So that's ash. Typically, this ash is inert and will be going either to landfill or to road filling or into a cement factory. And the other big byproduct is a flue gas. This is something that uh, is actually both bad news and very good news. This flue gas does contain carbon dioxide. And so unlike uh, the so-called green hydrogen, green in that case meaning that it is produced through electrolysis using renewable electricity, the hydrogen that comes out of our, of our process comes from a, uh, an organic source and there is carbon dioxide emission associated to this. I say it is both good and bad news because there is CO2 going out of the system. So at first sight, it would raise some eyebrows because, well, uh, nobody wants to emit CO2. On the other hand, what's really important to realize here is that this CO2 first comes from a renewable source. So it is not fossil CO2, and as such, it does not contribute increasing CO2 levels in the atmosphere. The second thing here is that because we are producing CO2 in our process, and because this CO2, again, comes from a renewable source, we have an opportunity to connect our flue gas output to a carbon sequestration solution. It's not, uh, it's not embedded in our system, but we can connect it. We can bundle our solution to carbon sequestration. And in that case, we become a very efficient, beautiful carbon sink. We literally are adding carbon negativity to the production of hydrogen. And this is huge. This is potentially very, very important. You know, and I'll even add one more. And that is, if that garbage was allowed to rot in a landfill, it would produce a huge amount of methane. And as we all know, methane is a much more powerful greenhouse gas than um, 
CO2, it doesn't last as long, but uh, I would say you're avoiding that as well. Exactly, exactly. We actually made the calculation. It's, it's, it's very rough. I'm pretty sure some naysayers would tell me that my, my calculation is wrong, but I, I, I'll go ahead with it anyway. We calculated that with one ton of waste, the landfill uh, greenhouse gas, so CO2 equivalent emissions, would be something around 24 tons of, uh, of, of CO2 equivalent, which is huge. Oh, which yeah. Huge. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I was looking through your website and I saw that um, uh, a ton of biomass yields about 50 kilograms of hydrogen. And, you know, for a car, if we assume it's got a five kilogram tank and there, you know, somebody wouldn't pull in on completely empty, say four kilograms, that's about 12 and a half cars um, that could be fueled off of uh, a ton of, of biomass. So that's pretty significant. It is. And again, what is really important here is, well, one ton, uh, we do have a system. Actually, one is in operation uh, in, in Tokyo today on a wastewater treatment plant where it processes sewage sludge. And this system is a one-ton per day system, but uh, we expect to deploy our standard design, which, which processes approximately 24 tons per day of waste. And so 24 tons per day of waste it is the equivalent of what is being generated by a population of between 10 and 15,000 people. And uh, out of this, we would extract approximately 1.5 ton, which is the equivalent of 300 vehicles full stack. And this is where we are getting really into uh, a, a true meaning of uh, circular economy. Assuming a tank is being filled once every 10 days, it means that this 10,000 population producing its waste generates enough hydrogen to fuel 3,000 cars or to operate about 3,000 cars. And uh, of course, you will tell me it depends on where we are in the country or even in which country we are, but 3,000 cars to a 10,000 people uh, population it's pretty much the uh, it's it's pretty much what we do see in most advanced economies. That's fantastic. So you mentioned that uh, you've got a system running in Japan. Are there are there several? Where are, I guess what I'm asking is where are you in in the development of these systems? They they sound like they're ready to go, and you're just looking for customers and so forth. Are there many installations around the world? So I. I told you earlier that I had known this, uh, had been in, in, in this industry for about 20 years. Our Japanese partner, Japan Blue Energy, who developed the technology, has been working on this for 20 years. This system that, uh, that is now in Tokyo on a wastewater municipal plant, treatment plant, I'm sorry, is the fifth system that has been built by, by, by Japan Blue Energy. There has been four different previous versions that were built, operated, validated, and then improved. We are currently building, we're building the little sister of the system that is in Tokyo. And this system will be deployed here in California by the end of this summer. When this system is deployed, we will have two demonstrators in operation. We are ready to go commercial and we actually are in discussions well, those two systems uh, being deployed are precursors. They are pilots for larger commercial systems. And, uh, and beyond that, we are in discussion 
with several potential users for commercial scale deployment. And I have just learned this morning that Ways2H had been selected to be part of the uh, H2Hub airport project in Paris to be part of a consortium to develop renewable hydrogen production for the Paris Charles de Gaulle Airport. Okay, will that uh, hydrogen be used for transportation fueling or, or what do they intend to do with the hydrogen? The, the idea here will be first to operate the, uh, the, the, the airport vehicles, uh, you know, the shuttles that take you from the airport to the, to the planes or things like this. But uh, obviously, the idea behind this is to be able to produce, well, to produce hydrogen that ultimately will go into planes. One of the, uh, one of the partners in the consortium is Airbus. And uh, although we are not, we're, here we are talking about electric vehicles. I'm not sure whether an airplane is considered a vehicle, but Airbus has been very public and has, been, has announced that they were working on uh, hydrogen-powered airplanes. So uh, it definitely is something that is considered. Yeah. Well, one of the things I've talked about a number of times on this podcast is that as we develop these sources of hydrogen, we also have to have customers for those. And there there are some existing customers for hydrogen. And of course, transportation where we do have fuel stations and fuel cell vehicles is is one aspect. Well, I guess we've, we've got to think too about the purity of the hydrogen. Is your intention really for the hydrogen from these plants to be for transportation or doesn't matter what it, whatever anybody wants? Doesn't matter. Hydrogen is a is a molecule, just like just like you know, gasoline is a molecule. Let's put it like this: about a year and a half, two years ago, when we started the company, we were discussing this great opportunity to turn waste into renewable renewable hydrogen, but more broadly, renewable energy. And uh, our primary driver today, our primary market, is more waste processing companies that have a problem with what they will be doing with this waste because of landfill diversion mandates, because the public is not a big fan of incinerators. Uh, So they have a problem with waste and they want to solve this problem. What we are offering is a solution for them to process the waste in a cleaner, more environmentally conscious but, but also more productive manner because out of this processing, there is, uh, well, there's hydrogen being produced. And uh, a lot of this, these initial prospects we had two years ago were telling me, well, what you tell me about is great, it, it's, it's very interesting, etc. but we don't have a market for hydrogen. And what I used to tell them at that time was that, well, this hydrogen, yes, it can be used for transportation, but I perfectly understand there might not be a market right now for transportation. You can use this hydrogen to produce power, electricity. And there's a need for electricity. There's a need for, uh, for renewable electricity worldwide. And, and actually, what's very interesting, and you may think I'm, I'm, I'm ranting here, or I'm, I may be digressing a little bit, but we, we will have more and more need for renewable electricity just because we have already started using electric vehicles. We are already shifting the use of fossil liquid fuels to electricity. Worldwide, only 30% of the whole grid is, uh, is, is renewable. So there's a massive need for renewable electricity that this hydrogen could very well fulfill. Right. So I guess what you're saying is instead of trying to 
capture the hydrogen and compress it and ship it somewhere. You could just run a fuel cell right there, make electricity. And electricity is the, uh, the, the final product, I guess, of the system. Exactly. Electricity is the final product. Should it be produced on site in a stationary way and sent to the grid? Or should it be produced on board the vehicle? Can be a car, can be a bicycle, can be a boat, can be an airplane. But it's, it's, it's electricity, absolutely. Well, this is fantastic. And I, I hope that uh, we've got some um, maybe municipalities listening to the podcast that have a problem with their waste and might consider doing something like this. Do we want to talk a little bit about the company itself? And, and by the way, I didn't spell this for the listeners. It's, it's Ways to Age, which is W-A-Y-S, number two and letter H. And I understand it's a, it's a joint venture, as you've, you've already talked about, with uh, Japan Blue Energy Corp. But uh, anything else you want to say about uh, the company or uh, you know, what you see happening in the future or things like that? Oh, uh, well, I like to say that we are uh, a young startup with an old technology that refers to the fact that this technology has been in development for 20 years. And it, it really, it's something very important because it means, and I may sound vain when I say that, but uh, it means we have expertise, we have a background, not only in, in processing waste, but also in producing hydrogen. And it, it means a lot because it means having a profound understanding of challenges, issues, but also of all the benefits that systems like ours can be uh, can be bringing to society. That, that's for the high-level description of the company. So we are in this partnership with Japan Blue Energy, who is the company that has developed the process. And our job at Waste2H is to provide the engineering, construction, and sales development for this technology. And we do this globally. So. In short, we sell waste to hydrogen solutions. Right. And it sounds like, depending on what the customer's needs are, you'll design a system that meets that. They're not relegated to having to pick something that you've already designed and built. Oh, absolutely. Well, we have, we have the module, we have the core technology that is designed that is pretty much, I would not, not say static, because as you can imagine, we are constantly working on, on, on further improving it, et cetera. But, uh, we have the core of the of the system that that really takes the feedstock and produces the hydrogen gas out of it, and from that, yes, absolutely. And and I was referring earlier to the different options in using hydrogen. It can be for a fuel cell, for a stationary fuel cell. It can be for for a local hydrogen fueling station. It can be. We have discussed with industries with companies that were that needed high quality high heat for uh, for some industrial processes and who were seeing an advantage in using hydrogen because of the the extremely high energy contents of this gas so depending on the local application depending on what kind of feedstock is coming in we will together with our engineering our local engineering partners uh, we will design and build the system that is needed for that particular context. Okay, very good. Uh, question, have you thought about uh, adding nitrogen to the hydrogen and, and making ammonia? Do you see any, any need for that? Well, let's put it like this. Um, are you referring to ammonia as 
really ammonia being used as ammonia or ammonia being used as a medium to carry hydrogen? Well, really two ways, uh, either just as a hydrogen carrier that's just much more convenient and more compact to transport or, or send in a pipeline, but also as uh, we try to transition from internal combustion engines, whether they're piston or turbines, those can be converted to burn a mixture of hydrogen and ammonia. And so that could be another use as well. Understood. Understood. I see ammonia being used. First, let's, let's talk about hydrogen logistics. I see ammonia being used to, to, to actually transport, to carry hydrogen from point A to point B as something that definitely is promising, that is very interesting, but that will probably be valid only on quite large quantities. Um, we see projects, for example, uh, between Japan and Australia or between Japan and Brunei, where literally tankers are expected to be filled with, with ammonia because it just makes the thing easier to, to carry. Something that I did not really specify about our technology and about our strategy is that we do see a significant market and we do see significant benefits in having decentralized local systems. And I would say that the, uh, the direct consequence of that is, at least in the first phases, we, we plan on designing rather small systems. Typically, I was mentioning 24 tons per day waste, 1.5 ton hydrogen per day. This is what we consider our standard design. Ammonia production, just like also hydrogen liquefaction, for example, requires 10 times 50 times, maybe 100 times larger quantities to be economically effective, we believe. So really, what we see in our particular application is a way to significantly improve the logistics on waste, because our systems would typically be installed on a municipal waste transfer station. So the first stage in this whole uh, waste logistics that starts from your house or my house or the local restaurant and ends up in an incinerator or landfill. The really, really first stage is this transfer station. We would see we see our systems being installed there and producing hydrogen there, so that this hydrogen can be used locally, either as a fueling station or into a stationary fuel cell for power generation. So there certainly is. Down the road, there is a future for, for ammonia, again, either as a fuel or as a hydrogen medium, at least for the first level transportation hubs between, you know, country to country. But we are looking at, some, at something that is slightly different. But that's, that's, that's just because it is our strategy. Well, I think what you say makes a lot of sense. Um, really, the best we can do with all of our energy systems is to make them local, make them distributed. And as you say, use the uh, the waste right at the, the point of generation and then use the products right at the, at that same point. So, uh, and, and as you point out, ammonia really comes into play when you're, you're trying to send a large volume over a large distance. So, well, I think I'm running out of questions to ask you. I don't, do you have anything that I haven't asked about that you'd like to bring up? Well, you know, talking about this decentralized aspect of, of our systems, the, the, there's another thing that we have not discussed and that I think is really important, 
we we see at least we see here on the on on the Pacific coast we have seen a lot of wildfires and, and those so-called weather events we do believe that being able to deploy this microgrid of waste management and energy production is also something that may help directly and indirectly preventing those wildfires and and those very obviously very unfortunate events uh, well, you know, as, as you're talking about um, the ways that the, the, I guess we could say the climate is is degrading our forests and everything else. I know here in Colorado, we've got a lot of trees that have been killed by beetles. So we have a lot of standing dead trees and it would be nice to see, I mean, it would take a lot of work, of course, but it'd be nice to see something done with those and turning them into, uh, into hydrogen uh, could certainly be one way to do it. Exactly, exactly. Well, actually, you know, this, this dead trees, there are, I think, I'm, I'm not totally sure about the number, but I think there are around 170 million dead trees that are still standing in California. And these, by the way, are, the, are one of the causes of those wildfires. And the problem is, in, those, in, in a lot of distressed rural areas, there is no fund, there is no money to actually manage those forests. And I suspect this is something that potentially could happen in Colorado too. It is a business model, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure we like associating the concept of business to something as important as, as taking care of our, of our environment. But on the other hand, we need money to pay people. And so there is this business model where systems like ours can be associated with forestry and forest management. And because our systems operators are paid to process waste and municipalities pay to have the, uh, their waste being processed. Well, it is, very, it is very possible to define business models where part of the funds that are being used to process the waste can be diverted to the forest management operations meaning that it can actually revitalize and, and help reopening forestry and, 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 and lumber industries that have a big, big problem with the waste that comes from forest management and forest operation. It's, it's, if I start talking about this, I would probably spend hours <laughs> um, ranting about it, but, but it, it really is something that is I believe that is very interesting because it, it brings all sorts of different benefits to to the operation of systems like ours. Well, and you're absolutely right that uh, it's a big expense to and a lot of work to go in and, and take out those dead trees. But if you use a concept like like value stacking, where you say, well, we're going to pull out those trees, we'll turn some of it into usable lumber, and uh, then we'll turn the the scrap into uh, hydrogen using the ways to age system you know that that might make some economic sense so uh, it's exactly right yeah it's exactly right and this is this is the way we're seeing this to have a, a forest management ecosystem operating today what is missing is the funds to actually go get the waste part of the tree into the forest and bring it back and, and bring it back and right. this is exactly what we're looking at doing by diverting a fraction of the revenue generated by waste processing to literally pay for the guy and his truck to go into the forest to bring back that waste and, of course, process that waste. 
Right. Boy, that's fantastic. I love it. Well, uh, Jean-Louis, maybe we should uh, start wrapping it up. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to add? I, I think we're good. really want to thank you for your time to be on the show today. Uh, what's the best way for the listeners to either contact you or just contact Ways to Age? I think you can visit, listeners can visit our website at www.waystoh.com. Ways to H being W-A-Y-S, the number two, letter H. Ways to H. Okay, very good. Well, I again, I thank you for your time today, and I, I wish you the best. I really see a lot of uh, need for this type of a process, so uh, I think it's going to really take off. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure chatting with you, and uh, I hope your our listeners will uh, will find this interesting. Very good. Well, thanks, Jean-Louis. So, listeners, if you enjoy listening to the Hydrogen Nowcast, please subscribe to the podcast and also give us a rating in your podcast app. A good rating helps us be discovered by other people. And of course, word of mouth recommendations are, are really important. So consider letting people in your own network know about the Hydrogen Nowcast. So until next time, this is Brian DeBruin wishing you health and prosperity. Goodbye.